ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus. You are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dio, what is popping? What's popping, John, is we got to get this episode Recorded. done because you got somewhere to be. Yeah, to work on a website. To work on a website, tloponline.com. Shout out. But you also have somewhere else you're going. Oh, yeah. Where are you off to? Or you can't say. No, I forgot. You forgot. Hilton it's a wedding. Head, Hilton Head. Yeah, I don't like weddings, man. Why not? Because they're stupid. They're Wait. a waste of money. Everyone should do their wedding like I did it's my wedding. It's two people coming together Stop. and professing Stop. their love Stop. in front of God, friends, Stop. and family. Go to the courthouse, get it notarized, pay whatever, $70 fee, and you're married. That's all you it's need. It's a reason it's to have pomp. a DJ. No, it's, it's a reason pomp. to hire a live band. You don't need... No, it's called... Hand me the aux cord. I made a playlist just for this moment called the wedding mix. Done. No DJ needed. No, 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 no. And, and, and if you're doing a wedding, mm-hmm. you need DJ Corndog to Justin Corner. Yeah. just did our event last week oh, yeah, the on DJ. the ones and twos. Corndog rocked out. Yeah. If you're up in Cincinnati, Louisville, DJ Combat, check him out. I can't believe you. On Fire. I'm going to fly. Put this down. Put it down the universe, John. Okay. I'm flying DJ Combat somewhere where I'm going to be to okay. host some party I'm going to be a part of. Right. Because he was that lit. He was that on fire. There's two other DJs that I've ever been around uh-huh. that I was like, wow, that was something I'll talk about in 10 years. And I don't know their names, but I know DJ Combat's <laughs> name. Follow the dude on right. IG. Okay. Yeah, because you built... Me and IG account. Yeah. You didn't build me. Well, we built you us, built us. us. Right. Well, you're, you built the Lone Officer Podcast and IG account right. at the Lone Officer Podcast. Yeah. Then you said, oh, I'll go ahead and build one on Facebook. Well, I'll call it <laughs> at the Lone Officer Podcast. Then we had a guest on, Laura Hartman. Laura's like, hey, you know you can have your own page on LinkedIn. I go, yeah, I have one. It's Dustin mm-hmm. Owen. It's like the best way to get a hold of me. She goes, no, you can actually have like your own company name. So we built one of those. Mm-hmm. You can follow that page as well. And then recently, I'm like, John, all the kids are TikToking. And oh, you're like, Dio, I don't want to TikTok. But, yeah, here we are. But here we are at the Lone Officer TikTok. Part, yes, or at the Lone Officer podcast. podcast. Yep. yep. You can TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then just like you can watch this show on video yep. by going on YouTube. Yes, sir. Hit up our YouTube channel, the Lone, the Lone Officer Podcast. Yep. Subscribe, like, comment, share, yep. all the forward, above. all of the above. Mm-hmm. Or if you're just down to listening to podcasts, because look, podcasts were originally created to be listened to, mm-hmm. then go on Spotify, go on Apple Podcasts, go on Google Play, go on Stitcher, and you can check us out. Yes. But if you're looking for a really badass DJ, yeah. besides Corndog and DJ Combat, I was once at Towel Nightclub. The year was probably somewhere around 2011. Damn. And the DJ was spitting fire. Really? Now, their bottle service people didn't like us. Mm. This was at a time that we were doing bottle service. We probably shouldn't do it, mm. right? We were like uh, ball, uh, not quite ballers. Like not, ball, uh, We were almost, right there, right almost there. there. Almost on the but we, we had a good year. We felt good about ourselves. And like four of us pulled our money. Okay. We brought our girls with us and we, we got bottles. But like we weren't used to this. So we were leaving and we wanted to bring our bottles with us. Mm-hmm. It's a true story. This is more about the DJ at Tao Nightclub in Las Vegas. And like, yeah, you can't bring your bottles with you. We're like, no, we paid for them like a lot of money. Like, no, you can't bring them. Wow, rookie. So David and I started just walking around the club, pouring Crown Royal and yeah. pouring uh, Belvedere in people's mouths. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. That's what I thought too. But they got mad that we got outside of our little roped area. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. So anyhow, there's a really good DJ there. And then there's this spot at the Cosmo Hotel, also in Vegas. 
And it's not at their chandelier bar. It was right off of the chandelier bar, probably like, oh, yeah, I don't know, steps, 15, like 20 those paces. Steps, those three steps, you go in, it's like that lounge. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know yeah, the lounge. You know the lounge. That DJ was straight fire. Usually it was a, a, a female DJ. She was young, real petite, and she was crazy good as well. But they got rid of that section. So that DJ is no longer there. I have not been back to Tao, although I want to. Word. But what I do know is if you're ever in Orlando, Florida, Corniker, Justin, Corndog is around. And if you're ever up in the Louisville, Cincinnati area, look up DJ Combat or just become friends with me and hope that when I finally fly Combat down here, I may even have a Combat Corndog DJ face-off. Wow. Wouldn't that be a cool party? You spoken in the universe. Just Maybe so for your 37th one. birthday, we'll do that. 37. Oh, damn. I am about to be 37. Yeah? Your next birthday? Yep. Look you, at you that. You forget after like 33 because does it really matter? No. <laughs> does 33 matter? I mean, yeah, but after 33, you really have to pause mm. and figure like, how old am I again? But I'll tell you this. I look back on like my life at 42. I'll be 43 this month. Damn. Like, for this month. Damn. Hold um, up, when's your birthday? I know. The 20th. I'm, I won't give you a gift because you don't like those. I do not like gifts. Okay. Um, I like being invited places, right? I would love for someone to like, hey, we're doing this event and you're invited. Mm -hmm. Love being invited to trips and, and events and things to do and making memories. Don't really need gifts. Okay. Yeah, buy me a drink, buy me a steak, but don't, yeah. don't buy me a gift. Yeah. Um, and if you do, I wear a men's large t-shirt. Word. You know, that's a, that's a great segue. If you're looking to buy a gift for Dio, you shouldn't think like a loan officer. You should think like, what would Dio want? You want us to get right in this episode. You're fired up about this one. I'm always fired up about we, episodes. We had 12 different episodes in the docket, and this yes. is the one that you chose. I didn't choose it. Well, yes. Well, that okay. was an, I had an asterisk next to it in the notes, so I think that's telling me like, oh, we should do this one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes we try to lean into like uh, uh, viewer mm -hmm. request, listener request. All right. Like I'm super pumped up. When does Dawn's episode drop? Dawn's episode drops on Tuesday. Okay. So uh, that's the... We haven't titled it yet. That's why I get the title from you after this episode. Gotcha. Because we're, we're working so ahead right now because you're going to be on vacation, right? Yeah. So, so Dawn Hoffman's episode actually happened before this one. Yes, it did. So the reason why we did Dawn... Yeah. That's what I was getting at, John. Yeah. The reason why we did Dawn is pretty cool. It was viewer request. I mean, I we had we had these like three things. Hey, can you bring on a top producer? Mm -hmm. Hey, you don't have enough uh women represented on the show. Mm -hmm. Hey, we need someone to help us with VA home loans. Hold my beer. And I was like, Yeah, <laughs> ding 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 ding, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got someone. Awesome. Look, I'm a loan officer. Yeah. As a loan officer. Everyone needs a loan officer in their life because why? Uh, loan officers got a guy or gal. Yeah, we got somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's 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 my shtick. That's that's my mm -hmm. that, that's my rub in life. Mm -hmm. I got someone. Yeah. Yeah. So Dawn came on. If you didn't check out her episode, check it out. Her name is Dawn Hoffman. Yeah. It was a top producer series slash badass woman interview slash VA home loan expert. Yes. Like it was it was straight fire. I was probably the most pumped up that I've been. Yeah. Leaving an episode. Yeah, you were. Yeah. You were geeked out. I may have also been excited that that was right before we were getting ready to go to an event that had A, free alcohol, B, free food, and DJ Corndog. There you go. So trifecta, trifecta. Yes. No, so today's episode is like literally titled, Don't Think Like an L.O., mm -hmm. which is crazy because we're the loan officer podcast. Right. And don't think like, a le like an L.O. or loan officer. It applies to, like most of our episodes, not just the loan origination mortgage industry, mm -hmm. right? It applies to a lot of different industries and a lot of different aspects mm -hmm. because what it's truly preaching, and it's leaning into an episode that we did in the very, very early years with uh, Louis Valsaint where he, he taught us about intra, 
entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, but it's asking people of all walks, all ages, all professions, all industries. If you can change your mindset from that of worker to that of entrepreneur, of that of business owner, of that of, of equity stakeholder, what you will find is that your performance will increase what you will find is that the way that you approach your work will will be at a higher level and it'll be respected and viewed in a favorable light by your peers as well as your superiors right those that lead you as well as those that you lead mm -hmm. and the most of the examples that we will use are going to be for our loan officer friends but i would encourage anyone who's not a loan officer maybe you're um jenny up in chicago and you are a legal assistant or a legal secretary mm -hmm. Right. Maybe you are Gary up in Boston and Gary works IT. Right. Both are listeners of the show. Right. And both could probably apply to what they do. Mm -hmm. All we're trying to try to do is introduce the ideas, but we're mm -hmm. going to talk about as it pertains to the loan officers because we get a lot of loan officers who do tune in and who seek, seek their advice. Yes. So stop thinking like a loan officer. What do we mean when we say stop thinking like a loan officer? Let's first start with how do you approach your day? Are you coming in here and are you exchanging your time for a paycheck? Oh, I'm just going to show up today and I'm going to do what I need to do. And then I can leave here at five and I can go pick up my kids and I can go make dinner. And then I can go to bed after I watch a show, maybe drink a couple glasses of wine and rinse repeat. Yeah, I just sling loans for a living, bro. Okay. And then... When something goes sideways, how do you handle it? Ah, someone else will clean up the mess. Not really my problem. Whatever. Time moves on. I don't have time to do with it. Yeah. So you sit back and you wait for someone to do it for you. Or you do it, but you kick and scream throughout the whole entire process. Mm -hmm. Possibly burning bridges. Possibly creating a work environment that people don't want to be a part of. Therefore, if they don't want to be a part of it, then they don't want to be around you. If they don't want to be around you and they're a valuable team member, they're going to ask someone in management to separate you from them. Mm -hmm. Right? It's very transactional. We talk about that when, when talking to our clients. We teach people to quit being transactional, build relationships. Okay, the same thing goes when you are a loan officer and you're working for, for whatever bank branch or independent mortgage banker that you're working for. Are you operating as if you are a leader of your own company and you are the most resourceful person in the room? Because at the end of the day, if everything went right, no one would need us, right? If every loan was easy, no one would need us. If mm -hmm. our job was nothing more but to ask first name, last name, social, date of birth, two years of employment, two years of, of residency mm -hmm. history, pull credit, quote a rate, lock a rate, disclose a loan and move on. Oh, that's not it? No, it's not it. Oh, Believe it or not, a lot of people think that's what the job is. No, the job is way beyond that. People are messy things go wrong. Our job is to be the person who keeps a cool, calm demeanor and it finds a way to yes when things are messy. Our job is to be the most resourceful, level-headed person in the room when things go sideways. We make what we make. The reason why we walk into work with sometimes just a high school education and a couple years of work experience and we're given an opportunity to make three, six, nine, or 101.2 million dollars a year is because we need to be the most resourceful, the most level-headed, the person who embraces when things get messy. 
But in order to do so, we have to think like the owner and not just any owner, but an owner that everyone wants to work for, right? What type of leader are you? Because you lead by your actions. You might not have a team just yet. You might not have your own loan partners and loan officer assistants or junior LOs, or you might not, not even have a dedicated processor, but you're still a leader. At a minimum, you're a leader of yourself. You're a leader of, of how you approach your, your business, how you approach your culture, your work schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just an LO, hey, come and go as you please. So when you have that ideology, almost I would equate it to like a quarterback, you know, or sports, you know, like when you first start, the game moves very fast and you don't know what's going on and then things tend to slow down as you get more experience. Could you equate that to, um, you know, when you first get the job, you're only, it's very transactional, very transactional, but as you learn more, you get more reps, then it's easier to kind of slide and become more translationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's a great analogy, right? Because there's a lot of athletic young men out there who can sling a football. Yeah. But how many of those young athletic men can sling a football, but also watch enough game film that that also study the defense so well that they know where that defender is supposed to be. One of my favorite Peyton Manning stories is listening to him tell a story. And he basically said towards the back five or seven years of his career, the only interceptions he threw were because the defender was not in the right spot. Hmm. So think about that. Wait, why is the quarterback saying the defender was not in the right spot? Like basically saying that defender was not playing the way his coach wants him to play. And that's why Peyton threw the interception. Hmm. And Peyton was basically saying, I'm so good at what I do intellectually, hmm. experience-wise, as a leader, the way that I prepare, the way that I approach the game, that I know every team's defense, their defensive schemes, their defensive players, and what each of them are supposed to do. And... I threw the ball because I knew where that defender was supposed to be. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Therefore, he picked me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a one of the, I mean, it's a Hall of Famer, right? Mm-hmm. First ballot Hall right. of Famer. But I think that was the analogy yeah. that, that you're trying to use. So, yeah, there's a certain part of it that everything that we're talking about, like, like doesn't necessarily apply right away. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to hear the messaging from the get-go. If you're right. newly licensed, how nice is it that you understand that, oh, hey, Starting today, it's never too early to start approaching it like a pro, right? It's never too early. You don't need that like, oh, shit, I've been cut for the third time wake up moment to start acting like a pro. You can you can enter the league from day one, even if you're the the second stringer, Mm -hmm. i.e. Aaron Rodgers came in as a backup. He was a backup for three years. Mm -hmm. Look what he's done over the past 15 years since since becoming the starter. Right? I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers entered into the industry as being professional football, and he had a great mentor, someone to look up to, someone to, to, to mold himself out, uh, uh, mold himself. After. Yeah, after. There we go, John. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then his approach was that. Yeah. That's what we're going to try to convey in this episode. What do you do? If you're a cashier at Home Depot, do you come into work and do you exchange your time for your 12 or $13 an hour? At which point you probably do your job, but if I need to cut hours, your hours probably get cut. If we need to cut personnel, you may be on the chopping block or do you come in and you're like, yes, I understand that I am entry level and I'm making $13 an hour, but I care about this company. I care about what our clients think about us. I care about, how well the two cashiers down the, the, the row are doing. Mm. And if I can help them become better, it helps the company become better. 
I care about things like loss prevention. I care if people are trying to steal from my, from my company. Because if someone comes in with that type of care mm-hmm. and that approach, I'm pretty sure their $13 an hour is going to turn to $16 an hour pretty quickly, mm-hmm. right? Because they may very well become the head cashier. And then from head to cashier, maybe they'll be asked to go run the return desk. And after running the return desk, maybe they'll be asked to go run the call center. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, they've been there for nine years and they're being promoted to assistant store manager. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's all about that approach. That person was not exchanging their time for a paycheck. They weren't thinking like a cashier at the end all be all. They weren't thinking like a cashier. They were thinking like a store owner. Yeah. At the end of the day, they approached their day. So as loan officers, when, when you get an EPO, do you know what an EPO is, John? I feel like I should because I looked at it. Give me the first, the first word. Early. Early purchase order? Early payoff. Damn. Okay. So EPOs happen in multiple industries. And EPO for many mortgage lenders, and look, not every mortgage company has EPOs. Not every comp plan is set up. But if you're a loan officer and you're making two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars per loan, damn, that's your commission. Yeah. And you're sometimes doing four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty loans a month. Yo, that adds up. Okay, you're making a lot of money. Now you're a an entrepreneur. You're working under a larger umbrella, and you're a leader within your organization, and you handle your way yourself a certain way. But your agreement with your investors is that if you originate a loan and they pay your company a fee for originating and delivering that loan, and that loan pays off within a certain time period, four, six, eight months, well, the company who bought the loan, they want their money back Mm. because they paid you X amount of dollars up front because they anticipated being able to collect interest payments Mm -hmm. for the next three, five, or seven years. So an EPO happens. It just does, it's a part of life. Mm When you're doing that that many loans, making that that type of money per loan, if you think like a business operator, you don't let an EPO get you sideways. You understand it's a part of life. Hey, look, I went and did a loan and it paid off early. The investor bought the loan with a certain money back guarantee. Mm-hmm. The money back guarantee was that if this loan pays off before six payments, then the person who sold me the loan, i.e. your mortgage company, has to reimburse the full amount of money that was that was paid. Mm-hmm. At which point, the branch loses money, the mortgage company loses money, and the LO has to pay back their commission. Some LOs don't understand that. It gets their panties all in a wad. Really? It makes their days very sad. Look, no one likes losing money, right? No one likes like earning a paycheck and then having to give it back. Mm-hmm. But when I worked in TV advertising, John, and I went and sold a, a $10,000 a month advertising campaign to showroom auto sales and showroom auto sales stiffed my TV station three months in a row, that $2,000 commission check I made by selling that, I had to pay it back. Mm. I had to pay it back. Like we extended that, that company, that client credit. Mm -hmm. We ran their ads. We billed them for $10,000. They signed an agreement saying that they would pay us $10,000 and they never did. Mm. They're like, look, can't bleed a turnip. I can't pay you. So that's fine. My TV station said, hey, Dustin, you're 100% commission salesperson for us. We ran their ads. They're your client. Whoa. Yes. No. I've been like, what? Yeah. Y'all better find that money. How about my friends in the recruiting industry? So I go out and I recruit a, a, a CIO, a chief investment officer. And that person's salary is $300,000 a year. 
my client's paying me a $60,000 finder's fee. That's how the recruiting industry works, boys and girls, by the way. But after 60 days, that CIO quits or I fire that CIO. Mm. Guess what I have to do as a recruiting agency? Not give back the 60 racks I just uh, got. Yes, you do, John. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I hope you didn't go back to Baja Mar again. Oh, shit, I was gone. Me. Yeah, yeah, I hope you didn't spend that money. <laughs> but, like, that's how a, a business operator, they understand it. Like, it just kind of goes with it. Mm -hmm. If I'm running a, a restaurant, I understand there's going to be a certain amount of food loss. I understand that that some clients are, or some paying patrons are going to complain and I have to comp them their meal. Yeah. It's a part of running a, a, a business. How do I approach it? What's my mentality? Am I thinking just like a loan officer? Loan officers get pissed off when they get EPOs, right? A business operator, a business owner, they understand it's a part of the game. And instead of getting pissed, what they try to do is how do I prevent them going forward? Extreme ownership. You should have explained they, a little bit better up front and say, hey, I know this, but these rules can't have you paying this off early. Because Are you allowed to say that, by the way? Can you mm -hmm. tell... Nah. nah. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. So. Nah. I think you can have conversations like this around EPOs. Like, hey, John, look, I worked really hard for you. I'm going to work really hard for you. I'm going to make sure I get your loan closed and closed on time. But um, I really would love your word that you're going to make at least six payments. Okay. And the reason why I need you to make six payments, John, is that the way the industry works is that when we deliver this loan into the secondary market, we that's how we get paid. But our agreements are if our clients that we that we mm -hmm. we deliver their loans if they don't make six payments we have to basically work for free so all the work that i did and the money that that we made we have to give back mm -hmm. so i'm going to ask you can i count on you to at a minimum make six payments if you can make six payments i have your word you have my word i'm gonna do the best job for you all right okay look if you're not gonna make six payments and you want to take your, your business elsewhere because you're gonna feel bad for me i understand that too john hmm Right. Yeah, but they're a part of the business. Sometimes as a business operator, I'm going to take on a loan that I know I'm going to get EPO'd because that's my best realtor. Or because that client may have three loans right behind them that mm -hmm. aren't going to EPO me. Right. So I need to be able to make those business decisions. Here's something else that loan officers say where a business owner would never say. Okay. A loan officer. Oh, I lost another one, John. Gosh, darn it. I lost another one. Yep. All right. Well, I'm like, hey, walk me through it. Like, what happened? Like a low appraisal? Did you did you screw up your pre-approval? Now the loan's getting denied. Um, is did the title work come not back come back clean? Is it uh, bad inspection? Like, what do you mean you lost it? Mm -hmm. Oh well, uh, yeah, they decided they're gonna go somewhere else. Yeah, they went. I'm like, wait a minute. I never saw the loan in the pipeline. Did you ever like app it, disclose it? No, I didn't. No, no, no. But I had them. They, they gave me the word they're going to go with me. And then, okay, well, you, look, you can't lose something you didn't have. That'd be like me saying, "Oh my God, John, I lost my brother." You don't have a brother. Yeah, I have a sister, but right. maybe I could have had a brother if my parents tried harder. I don't know. You know, right. but I, I can't lose something I didn't have. Mm -hmm. Right? You, you had an opportunity. You had an at bat. That's what you had, but you know even the best hitters in baseball, they they look to get three hits out of ten at bats, and if they get three hits out of ten at bats, they go to the Hall of Fame. That's insane. You know, like like you're. Let's look at our quarterbacks. We talked about Peyton Manning being so great and Tom Brady being so great. How many times have they gone in a game where they completed twenty five out of twenty five passes? Rarely. No. How many times have they gone in a game and they and they didn't throw an interception? More than not. every other game, maybe, but that means every other game they're, they're, they're throwing an interception. Mm -hmm. 
Like there's no such thing as perfect. Just because somebody is eligible and they're curious and they, they want to obtain your product or service, they're not always going to choose you. You have to understand it's a numbers game, right? How about you celebrate all the things that you do have? Celebrate the seven people who did choose to go with you or the three people who did choose to go with you. Or go focus on the things that you can focus on, right? That's your attitude and your activity, right? I can, I can focus on my attitude. I can start using phrases like, I get to versus I have to have to. Yeah. Oh God, I have to make these sales calls. Oh, I have to call this person back. No, you get to do it. Like that's powerful, but that's, that's where you can change your mindset and you have to start thinking like a, like a business operator. Like this is your business. Like think about your interactions with your disclosure desk, your lock desk, your processor, your underwriter. Are you approaching your conversations with them as if they look up to you and that you're going to work with them for potentially the next 20 years? Or are you very transactional in your approach? You show your ass and every misstep, you feel the need and the desire to poke and prod and um, snarl towards that person, right? Are you a part of the solution? Or are you a part of the problem? When I ask someone to like, not think like a loan officer and think like a business operator or a business owner, business owners look to be resourceful and they look to be solutions to problems, right? We're not denying people don't have deficiencies. We're not denying that someone didn't make a mistake, but when that mistake happens, what did you do to, to, to help be a part of the solution? It could have been a training moment. Right? It could have been an opportunity for you just to, to show the type of leader you are to say, hey, look, I know that's not you. John, hey, I, I've worked with you enough. I get it. Um, let's move on from it. Now, you put us in a bind and we're going to have to work out of it. Mm -hmm. But I'll help you get, get out of it if you can get back into the file and, and work on getting this thing clear to close. Right? Like, What is your approach? Do you take the approach of a leader, of a, of, of a teammate, or are you just all about you? How, so can you give an example of like what not to do if an LO is thinking like an LO and they do hit a roadblock? What, do, what is like a stereotypical loan officer response when they hit adversity that you're like, hey. You well, it's always someone else's problem. Someone else has to fix it. Okay. I did my job. Okay. At this moment, we're not here to talk about whose job is, is, is what, right? We're, we are here to get this loan closed, get it closed on time, get it closed as smoothly as possible so you can get paid and so that your referral source and your client are both happy. Now, if you would like, we can schedule some time to come in at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, and let's definitely talk through things that we should have been doing differently and better. You know, in fact, I'll let you start. What's one thing that you could have done different? I'll say what's one thing I could have done different. Mm -hmm. And then you tell me one thing I could have done different, and I'll tell you one thing you could have done different. And I think that's the difference. A really highly successful loan officer typically has already figured out a way to think like a business operator. They quit thinking like an LO. They think like a business operator. They approach everything as if it was their business, as if it was their branch, as if, as if it was their company. So they do things like weekly pipeline meetings and daily team huddles. They do things like monitor what's going on in their pipeline. They don't need a micromanager. They just need to know what's going on in their pipeline. They're probably already doing things like Tuesday status update calls to their referral sources. Like they're very systematized and process oriented because that is someone who runs, if you're running a successful business, 
you have to be systematized and process oriented. Like if I go, go back to my Home Depot analogy, like they have to figure out scheduling. In order to figure out scheduling, you have to know when are the high traffic areas or times of the week and the day. Cause I, so I need to make sure I have five cashiers on Saturday between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., but maybe I only need three cashiers between 6 p.m. on Sunday and 8 p.m. on Sunday. Same thing goes for staffing all, all 11 other departments. I need to have someone who's figuring out delivery, someone who's figuring out ordering, someone who comes in and cleans the place. Like that's a very, it's a big retail operation mm -hmm. that has to be systematized. My son works at a, at a Chick-fil-A. That Chick-fil-A has like 37 employees, like one little Chick-fil-A. Well, why? Because most people who work at Chick-fil-A are minors who are in school still. And you have to have that many because you know, Jackson may be able to work 18 hours right now during the fall semester, but come the spring mm -hmm. semester, once volleyball season kicks in, he may be down to eight hours. You have to be able to jockey all of those, those varying, right? So someone has to run that business. I'm encouraging everyone to approach their role as if they're the business owner, as if their voice matters, because it does matter. It does matter. And if you find that you work somewhere, your voice doesn't matter, sit down and have a conversation with your direct report about how, how you can make sure your voice is heard. Said. But you know, other examples on, on loan officers and the approach, I think it, it all starts with your daily routines. What do you do? Do you get up? Do you put on your uniform or do you go to work? And when you go to work, is, is work all about like me, me, me and other people doing stuff for me? Or are you taking extreme ownership? You, are you the type of person that sits back and waits for it to come for you? Or you, do you go out and get it? Because someone who, who is resourceful, I, I talk about this with... Um, loan officers who want to hire assistants. And you've probably heard me say this a dozen times, John, like, oh, well, if I just had an assistant, just I would do more. I'd be so much more business if I just had an LOA. Nope, bullshit. If you wanted to do more business, you would do more business. You just would. I mean, and then you would hire a loan officer assistant to help you become more consistent, to help you work less hours, to help you become less of a mess. Right. But like life just doesn't work that way. Like you have to flip the script and it's a mindset thing. And sometimes that mindset is helped by education, by education. I'm talking about being able to go to the public library and, and, and buy some books. Whoa, there's a thought. I'm going to say buy. You don't buy books at the public library. You rent books. Yeah, but go check out some books at the public library on businesses, like on, on business practices, on successful people. Um, and then I think that'll give you the motivation if, if you want it, like, look, if you don't want it, then don't read books. If you don't want it, then, then don't come into the office consistently and don't put on your uniform and don't think like a leader and don't think like, like a, like an entrepreneur, like a business operator. Don't try to be a leader. Yeah. You know, but, but then again, understand that you're going to be reliving every year, year in, year out. It's going to be Groundhog Day for you. Every day. It's going to be Groundhog Day. And you may be fine with that, and that's okay. And you may be fine, for, fine with that for seven, eight, nine years, and eventually you have an epiphany, right? Eventually, maybe you have a come-to-Jesus moment where you're like, oh, my God. But my encouragement is for, for people to think like they own the company. Approach every decision, not just on how it affects this one thing, this one task you're trying to get accomplished, but how does this, this work in the totality of all the loans that are trying to get closed this month and all the loans we're going to try to get closed this year and all the loans we're going to close next year. And what's the, what type of precedent does this set? You know, not just again for this one transaction, but for all the transactions that come, that come after it. 
Because as a business owner, you have to have those types of thoughts. You know, if, if, if I inappropriately scold someone for a minor uh, defect in a loan file, well, what did I do for the next 17 to 25 loan files that come after it, mm. right? Because I find that if I do a verbal tongue lashing that wasn't necessarily warranted, but maybe it was emotional because I'm acting like a teenager or like a child because I'm thinking like a loan officer and not like a leader or not like a business owner, then yes, I may have gotten my way. I got that person to show me the, uh, show me the attention I, I crave. Hell yeah. Yeah. But that wound will take time to heal. And once it heals, it'll leave a scar. Mm -hmm. So am I going to be able to create a better working relationship and foster a better relationship with that person that's on my team, whether it's an underwriter, processor, closure, disclosure desk, lock desk? Or do I now have a reputation of just being another asshole? Got that rep as an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, well, you have to think it's 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 beyond this one transaction. It is beyond this one instance that you you know become a leader. And leaders, by the way, they teach. Leaders invest in other people. That's what a leader does. Like they a lead by example, but they also invest in others, right? Because I I can be a top producer without being a leader. I can go out there and just crush it and do a bunch of loans. Mm -hmm. But then when I come into the office, if I just steamroll everybody, right, and I just basically step on everybody, run right through them, run them over, I'm not a leader. I'm just a top producer who happens to be an asshole. Right? Okay, well, I'm really good at going out and getting loans and submitting applications that end up closing. But I still might not be someone that others want to work around, work with, and possibly even someone that, that a company like this company would want to even support. Right, that person, all they are is a top producing loan officer. My encouragement with this episode is to quit thinking like a loan officer. Think, it's kind of like that saying, like, what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. Like, wh what, would, what would me, the owner, do? What would I do in this situation? Why would I do it? What are the ramifications? What's the long-term impact? Why is this happening? Well, why do I have to pay my, this EPO? You know, wh why is it imperative that I that I pass along this lock extension to the borrower and it's just not the branch that has to absorb it? You know, why is it that I need to sit down with my processor every single Monday and thoroughly go through our pipeline? What is it that I'm looking for? What type of feedback can I offer that processor? What type of encouragement? Am I the type of loan officer that everyone wants to process for? Or am I the type of loan officer that can only have one or two processors ever process for me? Mm. Like that's a powerful one. As a loan officer, I wanted to be the loan officer that everyone wanted to process for. A big epiphany was when I wasn't, right? I thought like many, I was, well, I'm, I'm the best. I'm really good. I turn in clean files all day. Yeah, well, guess what? The proof was in the pudding. Mm. When seven of nine processors wouldn't process for me and two were deemed the best, that I was left with the two that would process for me. Mm. And what'd you learn from that moment, Dio? That I was young, arrogant, cocky, and didn't know what I was doing. You were thinking like a loan officer, Dustin. I was thinking like a loan Yeah, because I was one, John. That's all I was. I was 25, 26 years old. And honestly, I didn't have mentors. I didn't have coaches. I didn't have 
podcasts like this to listen to. And I wasn't introduced to it. And if I did, I'm, I wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. The people that I was surrounding myself with, they weren't listening either, right? We are all in the, in the same branch, under the same culture, uh, drinking the same Kool-Aid. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of it just required some maturation in terms of years in life. Some of it required just being introduced. You know, Mike Smalley, when I partnered with him, started introducing me to people and to concepts and to, and to, to thought providers that at my previous place of employment, they didn't encourage it. So once my eyes were open, then I could, I could take the blinders off and realize, ooh, I was a little bit narrow-minded. Mm -hmm. And then I started practicing. And it's taken a decade to get to where I am now. Um, and I started trying to become better 10 years ago. Word. How was that? Did I give you the content you were trying to elicit, John? I think you did. I think I did too. At least I hope I did. I mean, it's, look, a lot of what we do, and, and we, we talk about this throughout all the episodes, it's everything you should have learned in high school but didn't. It is content for people who sell homes for a living, finance homes for a living, own homes, or want to own a home. And although we sometimes lean more heavily into mortgage finance, we try to keep a lot of the concepts wide open enough that you can find ways to have them correlate in your everyday life. These are just the world as we know it based on our experiences. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. You've been tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast. That is all the time we have for you for today. We will catch you on the next episode.